Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. First Peter says, chapter 5, this is Peter writing at his, at his ripe age. One of the things I've discovered about growing in age, I've discovered this yesterday. I, I said, you know, I'm going to stop saying I'm 37 years old. Because I'm not 37 years old. I'm at the 37th level of my life. Come on, somebody. So it's all right if you're younger and you're 25. You just haven't reached our level. Come on, somebody. Because somebody help me out here. 37. Level 37. Oh, you're only 26. And Peter's writing at his ripe age to a church that needs to hear church that's being persecuted. In fact, the church that is going through a lot of anxiety, angst, worry, fear, panic. And he writes this at his age as an older man, almost like a fatherly figure. He's speaking based on wisdom. How many have someone in your life that's maybe 60, 70 years old and could give you some counsel and wisdom? How many know that there's wisdom in in people who have experienced life? The Bible says that gray hairs is a sign of wisdom. Some of us is a sign of stress, but the way it's supposed to work, it's a sign of wisdom. And this is what he says. He says, you younger men, follow the leadership of those who are older. I'm 37 now. Y'all better recognize. And all of you serve each other with humble spirits, for God gives special blessing to those who are humble. But sets himself against those who are proud. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in his good time, he will lift you up. Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. I want to give you another translation uh, to this. Continue. It says, be careful, watch out. No, go back. Be careful, watch out for attacks from Satan, your enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. It's important for us to understand that, that the enemy can't just defeat anyone. The Bible says that he seeks, he looks for someone that he can overpower, that he can victimize. And so he's not just victimizing anyone he pleases. He's looking for someone that he is able to victimize. And it says, stand firm when he attacks. Trust the Lord and remember that other Christians all around the world are going through these sufferings too. After you have suffered a little while, our God who is full of kindness through Christ will give you his eternal glory. And it ends with verse He says, he personally will come and pick you up and set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. To him be all the power over all things forever and ever. Amen. I want to read it from now, another translation, the ERV translation. Let me just read verse 6 and 7. This is where we're going to focus most of our attention today. It says, so be humble under God's powerful hand. Then he will lift you up when the right time comes. 
some of us, we're looking to lift ourselves with our own strength, not realizing that you can do the right thing in the wrong time, and it becomes disastrous. So sometimes we're doing the good thing at the wrong time. And look what it says, verse 7, it says, Give all your worries to him because he cares for you. I want to give you the title to today's message, and in fact, I want to encourage you to take some notes today. Put it right there on your notepad in your phone. But I want to give you the title to today's message, and it's this, The Antidote to Anxiety. Look at the person next to you, tell them there's an antidote to anxiety. Now tell them the antidote to anxiety. Help me pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for gracing us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise and worship, oh God, and we can lift up the name that is above all names, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this amazing team, God. This amazing church, God. This amazing worship team, Lord Jesus, that leads us into your courts every Sunday, Lord. Thank you and we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we say, and everyone shouts, amen and amen. Give God a praise in this house. Come on. I want to invite some of us to, to some of my childhood upbringing. Um, I was raised in a Hispanic home. I was also raised in a Pentecostal home, so that was a double portion anointing. You know what I mean? And so I was raised in a Hispanic home, and I just want to invite some of you, because, because there were some things that we wholeheartedly as Hispanics, we believed in fundamental truths that we had as we were raised. Now, now there was a show called Adam Ruins Everything, and he's pretty much debunked life, and... <laughs> And uh, if you've seen that show, he just ruins everything for everyone. But, but these were things, before that show came out, these are things that we wholeheartedly believed in. And some of us called it superstition. Some of us called it old wise tales. But we called them truths. You know what I mean? I I'll give you an example. If you were raised in a Hispanic home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, if your left ear is ringing, it means that without a doubt, no matter what, you got to know that someone is Come on, somebody. We got somebody that was traumatized as a child. Right? Not, on, not only that, like, you, you know, like, if you were speaking, and as you were speaking, simultaneously something fell on the floor, it meant it was, need I say more? Right? These are things that we believed in. If something fell while you were talking, that meant, oh, you know what? That's true. Come on, somebody. If you, if you had a dream that... Uh, you lost a tooth, it meant that it was a warning that something was going to happen. And sure enough, three days later, you're at a funeral, you're at a hospital, something's happening. It just, I don't know, it just, this is what happens. And, 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 if, and if, God forbid, you, a woman would take their purse and put it on the floor. Why? Because it's bad luck. But if you step on poop, it's... on floor, bad luck. Poop on foot, good luck. <laughs> My very favorite are, are the remedies, right? Like, I, I love the remedies uh, growing up. I, I love the remedies growing up because, um, like, 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 if you had a child that, that had the hiccups, you know grandmama was going to go get some thread. Venga aquí, tráemelo aquí. Aquí, mira. Put it behind and right there on the dot. It's okay. We're just getting rid of hiccups. 3.5 seconds, that kid goes on. <laughs> mm. 
Growing up, there were remedies even how to discipline children. I'll tell you right now, there were some cures on how to discipline children. Because growing up, I'm going to be honest, like I know now we've evolved and we know different things. But growing up, there was only two type of kids. I know we have, you know, OCD, ACD, and we diagnose every kid and every, I, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, when I was growing up, I'm inviting you to my childhood. There was only two type of kids. Good kids and bad kids. That's it. There's only good kids and bad kids. And if you was a bad kid, oh, man, you, you were familiar. You were familiar with this form of discipline because if you was a bad kid, I mean, you could step out of line with your mom. You could step out of line with your dad. But in a moment's notice, dad can just knock on any wall in the house. And guess what? Watch out. Fear and terror will enter your heart because el cuco was coming. Right, 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 right. And, 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 if, and, if, and, if, and if, how about this one? How about this one? If, if you had a cold, guess the first thing that was going to go on you? Ponte Vicks. Oh, you got a little bit of chest pain? Ponte Vicks. Oh, oh, there's no, there's no sun lotion? Ponte Vicks. Oh, you got a little pain and ache? Ponte Vicks. Oh, you got a little eczema. There was no eczema cream back there. It was Ponte Vicks. You got a little ache and pain? Ponte Vicks. You got a little chest pain? Ponte Vicks. You can make a little song right there. Ponte Vicks. Ponte Vicks. Eczema, nothing for it. Ponte Vicks. get out of hand, we start putting Vicks on everything. And it wasn't Vicks, it was Beaks. Get it right. Pronounce it right. Because we thought that at one point Beaks would cure everything. But how many of you know that as you grow older and discover that Vicks doesn't fix everything? Like, you can't apply Vicks when there's something much deeper going on on the inside. I wish sometimes it was just as simple as a cold and, and maybe having some aches and pains and, and maybe putting a little bit of... How many of you know that there's some deeper issues that Vicks can't fix? And I thought about that because sometimes we can just fall into this routine of applying the wrong solution to a very deeper problem. I thought about this because, in particular, when it comes to anxiety... I think many times we're simply trying to treat the symptom and never really go deeper into the root issue. Uh, we're trying to medicate something that needs healing. We're trying to diagnose something that needs deliverance. We're trying to rehabilitate something that needs restoration. We are trying to treat with a cure what something that needs heart transformation. I think sometimes when it comes to anxiety, man, it, it, it's, if we look at the culture uh, in our society, we look at culture and we, we see that anxiety is something that's growing to epidemic proportions where there are so many people that are suffering anxiety and they're dealing with it and sometimes they're dealing with it alone and they don't know how to resolve it. And so we are medicating and medicating as we can see that is not helping the cause. In fact, there are more and more people that are dealing with anxiety as 
this world, as time evolves, there are more and, poor, more, and more people that are dealing with an anxious heart. There are more people su suffering from depression and, and fear, and, and, and they're getting their physical bodies sick because of anxiety. And I, and I don't know, I just, I'm here wondering as a pastor, I said, Lord, can it, how can it be that we have the antidote to anxiety, that, that this is not just something that we can medicate and try to uh, brush under the rug, or this is not something that we can just try to stifle, this is something that needs to be addressed. And I think that as, as, as we grow as a church, that, that it is good for us to be able to speak into these issues, especially when it's reaching epidemic proportions, especially when it's, it's plaguing our society, that, that we can have the answer within the word of God. And, and I just think that if we, as the body of Christ, can stand in the gap and be able to be the kind of church that will stand in, in the gap with others and be with them and speak life into them and share and look at what the word says about anxiety, then we can win the war on worry, that we can overpower panic, that we can conquer fear, that we can turn our fear into faith, that we can turn our worry into worship, and that we can turn our panic into praise. If you believe that in this house, come on, give God a shout of praise all over this room. I just believe it. Like, our country today, I want to give you some stats. When you think about our country today, it's, it's, it's currently the country that suffers more from mental illness and anxiety-related matters. The National Institute of Mental Health says that anxiety is the number one mental health problem within women. It's actually the number two number, uh, number one health problem within men. Uh, the only second to, to, to uh, drugs and alcohol. In fact, in matter of fact, we consume as a country the most amount of pills concerning depression, anxiety, worry, mental health uh, issues. Matter of fact, we consume more pills in our country than the rest of the entire known world. Matter of fact, suicide is actually one of the top 10 deaths in our country. Did you know that? Did you know that suicide is in the top, is in the top 10? Of, you know what's not in the top 10 of our country? Murder. Which is to say that there is a greater probability for someone to commit suicide than them to be murdered by someone else. Which is to say that, that it is more concerning of the damage you can do to yourself than the damage another person could do to you. And so when we think, that's how true it is, you saw. <laughs> so, so you, you, so, and when it comes to suicide, it's happening from the highest age group of suicide is happening from 10 to 24 years old. That 14 year, that 14 year uh, 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 spectrum. That the greatest amount of suicides are happening within that age group. That's what the studies and the research show. Which is to say that, that before someone really gains to experience life. How many of you know that if you're anybody above 30 years old? How many of you know that you're not even grown until you're like 33? <laughs> right? Like I look, at, I look at, at, at the boys in our house, 21, 19, 14. And they, they think they've grown. And I'm like, you's a baby. Right. Right? And so... But before someone is actually peaking in adulthood, they are taking their lives away. 
because they can't deal with the depression. They can't deal with the stress. They can't deal with the angst. They can't deal with the anxiety. And so anxiety is exploding in our teenage demographic. As a matter of fact, the average high school student studies show that the average has shown that the high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. I don't know about you, but we need to be the kind of church that can stand in the gap. That's why, like, like, like you know, I tell you, the advice that you get when you plant a church is, is it's crazy. Someone once told me, they told me, hey, listen, you can't have a young church because young churches don't pay the bills. That's when a pastor one time advised me. He said, hey, listen, young churches don't pay the bills. And I'm like, listen, God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not here to get someone to pay the bill. I'm here to set people free. Come on. So we need to be the kind of church that looks into anxiety and gives the antidote and not the criticism. Come on, somebody. So I love Peter because Peter says that this age is in his life. I love Peter. His life just... His life is, is captured so much in the Gospels. You look at the life of Jesus and it's captured so much in the Gospels. But second to that, you see the life of Peter and you can see it from the very beginning to almost the end of his life. And, and I love what he says here. He says, if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in good time he will lift you up. Let him have all your worries and cares for he always thinks about you and is watching over everything that concerns you. Philippians chapter 4, now you have Paul in another scripture. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are worrying, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Can I give you the first point to today's message? And listen, hear me, hear me. This is the first point, that if we're ever going to, Win the war on anxiety. We have to, number one, learn how to call on God. Look at the person you tell them, call on God. Call on, I love Peter because he's, Peter's, Peter's here and, he, and, and, and we see the theme, right? We see Peter, he says, listen, cast your cares on God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Here you have Paul. Paul says, listen, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. You can talk to God about everything. And if that's not enough, Jesus himself, three of the most prominent people in the Bible, give us the antidote to anxiety and they both speak the same language. That when it comes to the foundation, the very, the most essential ingredient to this recipe has to be that we call on God. And so Jesus himself says, hey, are you worried? Are you stressed? Are you dealing with angst? Are you dealing with suffering? Is there something plaguing your mind? Is there something that's, that's stressing out your heart? Come to me and I will give you rest. And I think, I think sometimes we're like, we're being honest, like Pastor Roy, you, Thank you for being Captain Obvious. You're going to tell me something I don't know. Of course I know. I know i got to call on God. But let's be honest with ourselves. How many times that we're in those moments of anxiety, we're in those moments of stress when we're dealing, when we're at our worst, when we're dealing with nervousness and, and it seems like the stress is getting the best of us. How many of you know that sometimes the thing that we know to do, we don't? 
You begin to go down the rabbit hole of anxiety, and the next thing you know, you're finding yourself more stress and more stress and more stress. And the last thing we do is the first thing that we should do, which is call on God. Like, I don't know, but can I, can, I be, can I be real? Can I be real here? Can I be real? Uh, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share this. You ever, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you ever go down the rabbit hole of anxiety? You ever go down that rabbit hole? You know where that leads you, right? And God is calling us, like, hey, come to me. Come to me. First thing, first thing on your check, like you have to come to me. Before you do anything else, before you go on social media, before you, you go to a friend, come to me and I will give you rest. And in those very moments of worry and anxiety and we're going down that rabbit hole, the first thing we need to do is call on God. Hear me. We need to call on God. And so I find myself, I, 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 was, I was using the restroom. I'm going to keep it real. Javi, play for me. It's off, thank God. <laughs> Dealing with the, using the restroom. And you know what happens, right? So you're inspecting sometimes. And you know what I realized that my urine was a little cloudy. Don't be judging me. Cut that out. Don't be. Matter of fact, you can scratch that from your notes. Don't write that down. Pastor's urine was cloudy. Don't write that on your notes. And you know what happens, right? That, right? The next thing you do is like, hey, that looks a little weird. I'm going to go ahead and Google that. And so what happens? You Google it, and what happens? It says that cloudy, there's a spectrum. You could either have, you could be dehydrated or you can have cancer. Or, or, or your organs are not working properly. Right? And so in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, I got cancer. And I was like, I can't, oh, man. And, I, and, and this is what started happening. One thing just kept piling up on the other. And I went from cloudy urine to having a conversation with my daughter in my own mind. And I just started visualizing the whole thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't have health insurance. So now I can't even go get checked. And so by the time I get checked, I'm going to be flaquito. And I'm going to be, like, in stage four. And then I went from there to having a conversation with Sayla and Bishop and letting them know, like, hey, guys, I just want to let you know I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm stage four. Yeah, we got to plan the funeral. <laughs> And then I saw Sayla at 20 years old. She's getting walked down the aisle, and she was marrying some dude. I wasn't happy with him, but he was marrying some dude. And, and she was telling the dude about how great and good-looking her father was, but also how anointed. And I just saw that whole thing in a matter of five seconds going down the rabbit hole of anxiety. Has that ever happened to you? And how many of you know that? How many of you know that? That in those moments when you're feeling at your worst, the tendency is to kind of go down that rabbit hole rather than stop and pump the brakes and call on God. And sometimes we got to be willing to fight for what we don't feel. I don't feel it at the time, but I got to fight for what I don't feel. It doesn't feel, I feel at my worst right now. I don't feel like I could win this battle, but I got to call on God. I got to reach on God. Because sometimes, let's be honest, with the busyness of life and the, the chaotic ways of our, of, our, of our life, we lose touch with, with ourselves and we lose touch with God and, 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 and we don't set him as a priority. And the thing that we know to do, we don't do. And I want to tell you right now that the most important thing, hear me, hear me, that the most important thing that we can do when we're battling and dealing with anxiety, angst, worry, depression, Hear me, it's just a call on God. It's just a call on God. 
Why? Because my soul needs to know that whatever I'm going through with God on my worst day is better than whatever I'm dealing with without God on my best day. I need to know that whatever I'm going through on my worst day with God is better than anything that I could ever go through on my best day without him. So we need to call on God and Peter says, give all your worries to him. Here why? Here's why. Because he cares for you. I love that. I love that. He says he cares for you. It says, let him have all your worries for he is always thinking about you. You ever met someone who's always thinking about you? That's called a stalker. <laughs> right? But the God that we serve, I'm, I'm telling you, man, the God that we serve, Peter says, I love the language here because Peter's saying, listen, listen, hear me, hear me. He's saying, he's saying, he's saying, cast your, your cares on him. You know why you can cast your cares on him? Not because he can. I love that. I love that he, he doesn't say, cast your cares on God because he can. He says, cast your cares on God because he cares. Can you imagine Peter writing maybe at 75, at level 75 in his life? And he says, and he says, cast. He says, he says, he says, he says, I want you to let God have all your worries. This is a decision that we have to make. We have to allow God because God is not going to take away what you're not willing to let go of. God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is, a, is sweet and subtle and kind, and he gives you these nudges. And God is just waiting for you to let him have what you're never meant to carry. And he says, cast your cares on him, not because he can, not because he's some millionaire and he can just pay off a debt. No, but because he sincerely loves you and cares for what concerns you. Cast your cares on him. Look at the life of Peter. Look at the life of Peter. Peter says, Peter says, can you cast your cares on him? Here's why. Because this is not some theoretic preaching that I'm, that I'm, that I'm preaching to you. This is not conjecture. This is not ideology. That I'm, I've lived this thing because there was a time that I was fishing all day. Every single, the whole, every single hour, I could not find any fish. I could not catch any fish. And there came the guy that was concerned with me. And he looked at me. He didn't have to do this. But he says, cast your net on the other side. And when I cast my net on on the other side, I reaped a harvest that I could not carry on my own. He didn't have to do that, but he cares for what I'm concerned with. Cast your cares, cast your cares. I, I live this thing. Please hear me, hear me, little, little child, little young one. Sir, ma'am, hear me. Cast your cares on him because, because when I was walking on water and I thought that I was, I was the stuff, I thought I was walking on water, I was already the but at that precise moment, I began to drown. And I can say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because it was that mighty hand that picked me up when I was drowning. I'm not speaking from an ideology. I'm speaking from what I've experienced. Cast your cares on him because I denied him three times to some little girl that got the best of me and I was anxious and I thought that I wasn't worthy and I thought I was suffering. But this is why you can cast your cares on him because I've lived. 
this thing. And though I denied him three times, three times he had to remind me that I still loved him, even though my actions showed differently. Why? Because even when you don't do what God wants, you are still the one that God wants. Cast your cares on him because he's absolutely obsessed with you. The Bible says that we are the jewel of his crown, that we are the apple of his eye, that he watches us while we sleep. Can you imagine that kind of love, that he watches us while we sleep, that he is the sheep of our pastures, that he numbers our hairs. Can you imagine you taking a nap, someone, you wake up and someone says, hey, you have about 128,000 hairs on your head. Run. <laughs> right? Well, average person has 90,000 to 120,000 hairs on their head. And I, and I get it. Some of us here only have 50,000, but that's okay. I, <laughs> this year alone, I went from 100,000 to about 90,000. That's because I reached level 37 and I can handle that. <laughs> can you imagine the kind of God that as you sleep, he's watching over you. The kind, the kind of God that doesn't just number. It, it, he doesn't know the amount of hair follicles that you have. He has them numbered. So when you are brushing your hair and hair follicle 356 comes out, he knows that 356 number hair follicle came out. He is intricately detailed in the way he loves you. And I think sometimes the discouragement is, I get it, that sometimes the discouragement is that, that we don't genuinely believe that God absolutely cares about us. Sometimes we serve God as he's some distant person out in the universe and maybe he's not thoroughly concerned with humanity. But the Bible says that you can cast your cares on him because he absolutely cares about you. And this is why Paul says, hey, listen, are you worried? Are you filled with anxiety? Do you feel depression coming on? Do you feel like you're not getting the best rest? He says, here's the antidote. Call on God. He uses the word prayer. He says, pray. He says, pray. What do you pray for? Well, whatever is worrying you. Well, pastor, I don't know how to pray. Do you know what worries you? That's a good start to prayer. Uh, so you pray when you feel like you're, you've gotten... To the last strand with your children, pray. When you had your hopes up on life and an avalanche of anguish and darkness came crashing down, pray. When you were finally catching up on your bills and your car breaks down, pray. When you thought you were going to get that promotion and instead you got fired, pray. When you need that parking spot, does that bring you stress? Because you don't know how to get up on time? Pray. Trust me, Lisa has proven me wrong every single time. And I'm going to be honest, sometimes the best prayers that you can pray are spelled with H-E-L-P. Sometimes, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know what to tell God. I don't even know how to articulate everything that I'm feeling. I don't even know what I'm feeling. How am I supposed to? And sometimes the only thing you need to, God, my marriage, help. God, my children, help. God, my finances, help. God, my student loans, 
help. God, my business, help. God, my job, help. Come on, does anybody know how to spell prayer with H-E-L-P? Sometimes our best prayers are said with help. It's in those moments we get perspective because the Bible says that, are you worried? Pray. And here's the exchange for prayer. It's peace. Some, you know, the Bible doesn't say that pray and God will take away the thing that's causing you anxiety. But the Bible says that he'll exchange your anxiety for peace. So you'll still go through the same thing you're going through, except that you will, you will receive the gift of peace. But it doesn't make sense. Well, that's right, because the Bible says that the peace that he gives is not like the world gives. It doesn't, it surpasses all logic and understanding. The peace that he gives allows you to walk through the storm. It doesn't mean that the storm is going to stop. It doesn't mean that the avalanche is not going to destroy. It doesn't mean like the house is going to break down. It doesn't mean that the winds will not blow. It just means that through the winds blowing, through the avalanche coming, through the failure, through the suffering, that his peace will sustain you every single time. And when his peace sustains you, you'll begin to understand that his power is greater than your problem, that his presence is greater than your dilemma, and that his grace is sufficient in your time of suffering. If you believe that in this house, give God a praise. He says, let him have all your worries and cares. For he is always thinking about you, watching everything that concerns you. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks. Sometimes the best way to stand firm is by sitting in his presence. He says, trust in the Lord and remember, watch this. That other Christians are going, other Christians all around the world are going through these sufferings too. I love that he puts that because he's, he's explaining, listen, we all are going through some stuff. If you ask the person next to you, man, they're going through some things. Statistically, it seems like the majority of the population is dealing with some type of stress and angst and anxiety and panic and, and some type of, uh, of turmoil, some type of uncertainty and some type of unease. So, so can, we, can we just stop pretending? Can, I be, can, we, can we have a real moment right now? Can we stop pretending like there's only a few people that got issues? Can we stop believing the lie that says that, oh, I'm only going through this. That I'm the only one that's going through stuff. That, that I'm going to have to get out of it myself. That I'm dealing with the stress. That nobody understands. Sometimes it's not just calling on God. It's calling on God, but also simultaneously connecting to other people. And so the second point, write it down. It says connect to others. Connect to others. Why? Because I got issues, and Julia Michael said it best. You got them too. I added this part. Give them all to God, and he will give you truth. Don't take that from me. Don't take that from me. I got issues. But you got them too. And we're all dealing with some level of stress and angst. And the best way to go through something is to connect with someone who is also going through something. 
and go through it together. The best way that you can sometimes deal with anxiety and stress and turmoil and, and unease is just to pair up with someone and say, hey, listen, man, I'm going through something. And, dear, and talk to them and see someone that can help you. Can I, can I again, I, I don't want to be preachy and not have these moments where we're really attacking what's attacking us. I don't want just us to come and get, get excited and, and believe and kind of like be all lofty and up here and, and not really get down to the nuts and bolts and the nooks and cranny and, and really deal with what we're dealing with. And when it comes to anxiety, man, it's really destroying lives. So we got to stop pretending like we have to go through this alone. Sometimes you just need to connect with someone. Hey, listen, I was never taught how to be a husband. And so for the first five years of our marriage, we were chopping our heads off. What did I have to do? I had to, I had to submit myself to someone else's counsel. You know how hard that is for someone that knows it all? And I had to submit myself to therapy because I needed help from someone else. And the truth is that I did not know how to be a husband. And Lisa, well, she'll tell her testimony. The second thing is to connect to others. You, he, says, he, he says, listen, he says, listen, you have to be able to realize that there are other people going through suffering too. And if you can just join elbows with one another and go through this together and go through this suffering together, let me tell you, you'll get to the other side because you'll realize that you're not alone. The worst thing you can go through other than what you're going through is going through what you're going through by yourself. And so when I went through a divorce, I needed somebody by my side. And John was by my side and he held my elbow. He held my hand. And I remember looking at John and be like, I promise you a year from now, everything that I've lost, I, I'll, I'll regain. Because God is faithful. And John would always encourage me during my entire divorce. And during my suffering, he was there for me. Maylene was there for me. Why? Because I knew that I couldn't be by myself. When I needed help pastoring and the stress of the church would weigh on me. Could you imagine that God gives me a gift and I turn it into a curse because I don't know how to deal with stress? So God gives you a curse, but you turn it, in, God gives you a blessing, but you convert it into a curse. Why? Because you don't know how to deal with it. So the church is meant to be a blessing, but I'm turning it into a curse in my life because it's bringing me angst, worry, stress, depression. And so I had to call for help and connect with other people that are going through what I'm going through. I remember I was so stressed about the finances of the church. This is like third year. I was only on level 33. And I was so stressed and I'm like, oh my God. I was like, pastor, pastor. I was talking to one of my pastors and I said, pastor, our bank account is only up to $3,000. We're gonna run out anytime. He goes, you have a savings account? He said, brother, you better praise God because you are ahead of the curve. He goes, I haven't had a savings account in our church for decades. He goes, you are blessed. You are highly favored. And I'm over here thinking that I'm, I'm over here drowning in $3,000. I'm But when I connect with others, I realize that they can help me 
they could lead me and they can guide me. The book of James says, he says, confess your sins. Another translation says, confess your faults to one another and you will be healed. See, one of the reasons that we don't connect with one another, here's the truth. It's because we're not consistent with who you are, but God doesn't heal who you pretend to be. He heals who you truly are. And sometimes we do not connect with other people that can help us, and we don't submit to their leadership, and we don't submit to their guidance. You know what? There were times that my therapist and our marriage counselor had to tell me things that I did not want to hear, but I knew that if I ever wanted healing in our relationship and that if I ever wanted healing in my life, I had to abide by it. And so I had to learn how to stop fronting with my counselor and just spill the beans and say, hey, this is where I am, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm dealing with. Whatever it, wherever it lands, whatever it is, here it is. I'm telling you, you start connecting with people, you'll stop vomiting on Facebook. When I see people vomit, vomit on Facebook and on Instagram, all I keep thinking is, man, I wish they had someone that they could talk to. And sometimes we feel like we cannot connect with other people. Here's why. Because we have a version of ourselves in church. We have a version, a version of ourselves at work. We have a version of ourselves with certain friends. We have a version of ourselves at our job. We have a version of ourselves every single way we go. And you'll never experience God's peace when you're living a life walking in broken pieces. Because it's just little fragmented pieces of who you are. Oh, that's a version here, that's a version here, that's a version here. And the Bible says confess your faults to one another. I can't confess, I can't confess my faults to Rosemary. All right, then find someone else. But find someone. Oh, I can't confess my, my sins to Pamela. Well, find someone you can. Right? So, because we can't find one person, or maybe we don't gel with one person. We, some of us are married. You need to submit your marriage. Who holds your marriage accountable? Here we go. Who holds your singleness accountable? I'll be looking at Vic. I'll be like, yo, Vic, watch out. I love you, Vic. Why? Because we need to connect with others. Why? Because when we don't, we start dealing with our stress and our depression and our angst. Man, I, I'm, I'm, dealing with, I'm dealing with singleness. I'm dealing with my marriage. I'm dealing, and it's stressing and it's creating physical problems in our health. Why? Because we're not connecting. We're not calling on God and we're not connecting with somebody. So I just want to give you some practical tools. Here's number one. Number one here, right? Just, just practical. Practical. You don't have to hurt alone, and you don't have to hide alone. You don't have to hurt by yourself, and you don't have to hide who you are. Here's your home today. You're going to call on God in those moments of anxiety. And number two, you're going to find someone that can help you. Be intentional about getting healing. The Bible says that if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. But it says, if you pray to God, he will forgive you of your sins. When you confess your sins to one another, now when you confess them to God, he forgives them. But when you confess them to one another, you get healing. Because many of us are not going to be punished for our sins. We're going to be punished by our sins. 
by our very own sins. Like you're worried about God punishing you at the end of eternity and God's going to punish you. No, you're not going to be punished for your sins because your sins have been taken upon the cross of Calvary. But you will not be healed on earth if we don't start confessing. And, we, and so as a church community, we got to be able to get better at allowing people to be vulnerable in our presence. What does that mean? That we're not going to be the kind of church that points the finger. We're not going to be the kind of church that judges people. We're not going to be the kind of church that says, oh, that's what you get. We're not going to be the kind of church that says, oh, I told you so. We're going to be the kind of church that says, man, you've gone through that. I got issues. You got them too. As a matter of fact, your issues will become my issues because now I'm going to pray with you and we're going to pray this darn thing together. the last point as we end this message surrender control you're going to call on God you're going to connect with others and you're going to surrender control and I want to pray us I want to pray us out today I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is going to set people free today and so here's my altar call today my altar call is for anyone who says man I I've been dealing with anxiety we don't do an altar call every week. We don't. But today, I feel like the Holy Spirit is here to set some people free from anxiety. And maybe you've been on medication. There was a person here that came with about 13 medications. They got prayed for. They stopped using the medication. And I'm not saying that that's for everyone. I'm not saying that medication doesn't help. I am not saying that. But what I am saying is that Maybe, just maybe, there is a much deeper problem that God wants to set you free from. I thank God for the medical professionals. I thank God for science. I thank God for all those things. As a matter of fact, Paul walked around with a physician. So we see that he needed someone, a doctor that he walked around with. But I also believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to surrender control to God. So... It says, after you have suffered a little while, our God who is full of kindness through Christ will give you his eternal glory. He personally will come and pick you up, set you firmly in place, and make you stronger than ever. To him be all the power over all things. Whatever is bringing you stress, he has the power over. Surrender control to him. Let's stop pretending like we have control of a thing anyway. And much of what brings us anxiety is the perception of losing control. So where are your kids? You're losing control? Angst, anxiety, worry, nervousness. You messed up in life? Worry, anxiety. I can't fix it quick enough. It can't happen fast enough. And God says, in due time, if you humble yourself before him, he will raise you up. It says, to him be all the power over all things forever and ever and ever. I want you to stand up on your feet as we close out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.